the word. We're going to get into some teaching this morning. Amen. Come on, lift your Bible up, your smartphone, whatever you use. This is my Bible. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. And I am everything it says I am. I'm about to be taught the life-changing word of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And once I have heard the word, I will believe the word so I can be transformed by the word. I declare this is my day of change. Amen. Come on and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Give it up to Pastor Edwin who's working with the kids and children's church. I actually think he really likes it back there. I'm trying to get him like back up here. Um, but he's an elementary school teacher by training. So that was his people, right? Not mine so much, okay? <laughs> I, had to, I had to watch him for a little while in the hall today. I was like, um, yeah, not called for this. But so we thank God for all the people who are called to that. Amen. And so very shortly, Pastor Edwin's going to be asking people to work in children's church. And if you um, like kids and don't beat them, scream at them, stuff like that, because you can't, you may do that at home, but if you do that here, we go call the police on you, okay? So um, if you would like to work with kids, then we want you to get prepared to work with kids. Amen? I want you to go, it's not my first scripture, Caleb, go to Hebrews 4 and 3. I want you to understand what your position has to be when you hear the word, Hebrews 4 and 3. Hebrews 4 and 3, we're going to get into, we're actually using some hashtags today, um, Angel is working on a social media campaign. She wants us to be very intentional about using social media in order to talk about FOC and the transformation that's happening to us. For our, So today our hashtags are prevailing church and FOC. And so if you make anything about the thing today, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, Vine, whatever you do, use those hashtags, please. All right, and so let's look at Hebrews 4 and 3. Let's start at verse 4. Let's start at verse 2. Go back to verse 2. Sorry. So it says, For unto us the gospel was preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. For we which believe, have believed do enter into rest. As he has said, I have sworn in my wrath that they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So basically what this scripture says to us is that when people hear the word, they have a choice. Tell your neighbor, say, you have a choice. So when people hear the word, you have a choice. You can choose to receive it, but if you don't choose to receive it, it'll never impact you. I'll give you an example that you all understand. If you grew up in a more traditional church, at the end of at most traditional churches, especially traditional like I grew up, at the end of every service, they take you to the cross, right? They tell you that he died all night Friday night, and then he died all night Saturday night, and then early, he got up early, real early. Is that what they tell you, right? How many of you know that there are times that if you were in a service like that, you heard that, but you didn't respond when they said Jesus had died for you? You never responded. When you, when you believed it, you responded. So you have to decide to respond to the word. Amen? Tell your neighbor, say, decide to respond. 
So we're going to start a series today. It's gonna, we're talking about being a prevailing church. We want to be a prevailing church. What does it mean to prevail? It means to be victorious. That is why the name of our church is Fellowship of Champions. We believe that it is the will of God for the people of God to win in life. You are created to win in life. You should win in your marriage. Ooh, that was silent. I'm going to try that one again. I'm going to try that one again. You should win in your marriage. Amen. You should win in your singleness. That means you ought not always be having to be on the altar because you done slipped up again. You ought to win in your singleness. Amen. You ought to win in your money. You ought to win in your health. You ought to win in your relationships. The Bible says that Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. In the Amplified, it says, to the full until it overflows. Say, God wants me to live victoriously. Amen. So this message today, it is designed to position us to grow in victory. How many of you can use some more victory? Let's look at Matthew 6, verse 13 through 19. Matthew 16, Matthew 16. So you guys should read this whole chapter because in this chapter, Jesus is dealing with his disciples. And one of the things that happens um, before that in, in this chapter is that he begins to talk to them about being aware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And so it's so interesting. He's talking to them about being aware, being aware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Um, leaven is yeast. is something that's used to make bread rise. And they begin to think that he's talking about um, the fact that they forgot to bring bread on the journey. And so he says to them, he says, were you not with me when I fed 5,000 and there was fragments left over? And then when I fed 4,000 and there was fragments left over? Why in the world do you think I'm talking to you about bread? He says, beware of the teaching that would eat away at your real identity. Beware of the teaching that will eat away at your real identity. So you have to understand that you have some enemies in your life. Number one, the world's way of thinking. That's why in Romans 12, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Tell your neighbor, look at your neighbor. Say, you may be nice, but you don't naturally think like God. You may be nice, but you don't naturally think like God. In fact, the Bible says that your natural mindset, my natural mindset, they are enemy against God. It means that when God tells you to do something, your natural mind goes say, well, why in the world we do something like that? That's just stupid. So you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what you see happening here is that you're going to see what this transformation begins to look like. It says that Peter, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he said unto his disciples, whom do men say that I the son of man am? And they said, some say you're John the Baptist. This one right here, I got to tell you, never really made sense to me because Jesus and John the Baptist was on the circuit at the same time. So that one never made sense to me. I'm just like, they were just clueless. And then it said that some said you're Elijah. If you read your Bible history, you'll know that it said that Elijah was going to come back before the second coming. So it could be, maybe he could be Elijah. Some says you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Go to the next verse, please. And then he said unto him, he says, that's what they say about me. But who do you say I am? And Simon Peter, I like Simon Peter. I think in reality, I'm a lot like Simon Peter. Like I may be wrong, but I'm going to jump out there. 
And if the power of God don't work fast enough, I'll use my sword and cut off somebody's ear. But I'm working on it. It says, he says, and Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ. This word Christ, Christ, that's not Jesus' last name. Like my name is Sean Strickland. His name is not Jesus Christ. This word Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. He says, you are, he says, you are the anointing. And he says, the son of the living God. Go to the next verse. It says, and Jesus answered and said, he said, hey, hold on, wait a minute. He said, blessed art thou, Simon, P- Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Here's the first thing you could begin to take down notes right here. Your victory will become to you, it will become reality in your life by what is revealed by the Lord, not by your mind. Okay, I'm going to say it again. <laughs> your victory in life will come from what is revealed to you by the Lord, not your natural mind. So he says to him, he says, wait a minute, because you got to understand, we read the Bible knowing Jesus is the Messiah, right? When he's having this exchange, he has not told them that he is the Messiah. So he says, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter says, I, be- I am told that you are the anointed one and his anointing. And Jesus goes, wait a minute, hold on. You didn't get that. You didn't read enough concordances to get that. You didn't read enough books. You didn't, you didn't do enough master life classes by Oprah to download this one right here. This one right here, it came by the Holy Ghost. And then he says to him, he says, and I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We'll do a little teaching this morning. This word right here, this rock, he's saying, upon this revelation... This revelation that you are the Christ, that I am the Christ, that's the revelation that I am going to build my church on and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Anytime you see the word gates in the Bible, it always represents power and authority. So he says, the revelation of who I am will stop the gates of hell from prevailing in your life. The revelation of who I am will stop the gates of hell from prevailing in your life. It says literally the more you know about who God is, the less authority the devil will have in your life. He said there are gates and doors that are open in your life, but once you know that God is a healer, you don't tolerate sickness. And once you know you're not supposed to be broke, you don't tolerate poverty. And once you know you're supposed to be happily married, you don't tolerate anything else. He says, so literally, here is what he's saying to him. The degree of your revelation about Jesus will determine what hell can do with you. Selah, take it on in. So, we are empowered to prosper because God has revealed Jesus to us. But if we water Jesus down, and we make Jesus just a good prophet, if we make Jesus just the dean of the morality school, let me help you. We believe in good character, but church is not morality school where you just learn how to be a nice person. Church is where you learn how to walk in the kingdom authority that has been given to you as a believer. And that is why the enemy works so hard to either, one, get you not to come to church, two, get you distracted when you come to church, or get you to go to a church that's comfortable for you. 
and I am preaching so much better first. Yes, I am. Then y'all are saying amen. All right. Let's go to 1 John 3 and 8. We're going to learn something today. 1 John 3 and 8. Because you got to know who you are in Christ Jesus. You, because when you know who you are in Christ Jesus, there are things in your life you don't tolerate anymore. I'm not saying the devil don't try you. I'm saying that when he try you, you go, wrong address. You can miss me with that. But when you don't know who you are, you will live just like you don't know him when you have power and authority on the inside of you. It says, he that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might do what? What did it say? The works of who? Destroy the works of the devil. It is the will of God for us to live in victory regardless to what the enemy does. Amen. Amen. That means that no matter what the economy is doing, we are still provided for. You know why? Because he has given us a system called seed time and harvest. But if you're a believer and you don't participate in seed time and harvest, the protection doesn't belong to you. Oh, I got these devils, these struggles that won't leave my, leave my life. He said, these things come out but by prayer and fasting. The NIV tried to take fasting out to trick y'all, but it's some things that prayer don't move by itself. It's some things that you got to crucify your flesh in order to release the power of God to operate in your life. I know y'all newfangled folk thinks y'all don't, don't fast. I understand. But I'm telling you that there's some things in your life. Generational curses don't bow without you fasting. Oh, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to be more educated than my mama. Being educated more than your mama don't, does not prove that you will live free from your mama demons. Because education doesn't break demons. But the power of God does that. Amen? The depth of your revelation. You, you, sh you should really write this down right here. You can hashtag this one right here. You can make this prevailing church. Ha hashtag prevailing church. The depth of your revelation of Jesus will determine what hell can do with you. Understand, if you get married, the, the job of the enemy is to come after every ordained marriage because marriage is from God. Marriage is from God. So he hates marriage because you're doing what God is, is, is done, it wants you to do. It represents what the relationship between the church and God should look like. So understand that when you get married, you got to do more than be compatible. I don't know who I'm talking to here, but I'm trying to get you to understand. You need more than compatibility to keep your marriage on track. You need to know how to take authority over every plot and plan of the enemy against your marriage. You're going to have to fast because you got to learn how to humble yourself. Because if you're married long enough, you want to cuss people. I don't know about y'all, but you do because they just keep looking at you, ask that same stuff over and over again. And you need some supernatural strength in order to live in victory. Some of y'all work out. I appreciate that. I'm working on it. I work out sometimes. Some of y'all work out. I work out sometimes. See the difference? So, but that's how some, the way I work out sometimes is the way some of y'all treat y'all spiritual life. Sometime you in, sometime you not. 
Now, sometimes you got to be reflective about who you really are. Some of you real, real faithful, long as things raggedy in your life. Now, if things raggedy, you go be a Bible study. If things raggedy, you go get that little devotional done. But, oh, let that little money come in and you know how you go pay that light bill. And all your pictures is now turning up. Some of you, you're faithful as long as God do everything you want him to do. And in the moment that God say, nope, not that, then you don't work out. You have to decide to submit your life to God when you feel like it and when you don't. So, don't forsake the gathering with the church. I'm going to kick over a lot of stuff today. We're going to be all right, though, okay? So, we got too many people in the body who don't go to church. You say, I am the church. You are a part of the church. You ain't the church all by yourself. So you need to be connected. And here's what I'm going to say to you. Not only do you need to be connected to a church, you need to find your tribe. If you look in the Old Testament, all of the children of Israel came from the same Abraham, but they were divided into tribes. Judah was a tribe that praised. There were tribes that fought. There were tribes that did this. You need to get connected to your tribe because your tribe is anointed to do two things, to grow you and protect you. Ooh, hold on. Hebrews 10. 25. Well, I don't go to church all the time because church folks is crazy. You go to your job, it's crazy people at your job. You ain't, you ain't quit your job because it's crazy people there. Why would you quit the church because it's crazy people there? At least Jesus at the church. Maybe he's not at your job. That's up for debate. Here's the thing. A lot of people got a lot of stuff to say about the church. Here's how you should feel about the church. long as God love her, you love her. Until God break up with the church, you stick with the church. All right. Y'all got a lot of salt with y'all today. Romans 10, I mean Hebrews 10, let's look at verse 24. 10 and 24, don't be salty. Let's look at 10 and 25. We go look at 1025 in the Amplified. It says, not forsaking our meeting together as believers for wisdom and what? In what? Wisdom and instruction, as is the habit of what? So it lets you know that even back then it was people who was in the body who didn't go to church because they felt like the rules didn't, didn't apply to them. Don't you hate when you work with somebody who think the rules don't apply to them? Don't you be that to the body. All right. So it says, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. So here is what he's saying to us. Here, let's go back to verse 24. Tell your neighbor, say, come to church. It says, and let us consider one another. Go back to the Amplified for me. Can you go back to the Amplified there? Can you do it quick or will it take you a second? Okay. Oh. Okay, well, I'm going to read the 1024 out of the Amplified. It says, and let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another, studying how we may stir up and stimulate and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. So God gives us three reasons in these two verses why we need to go to church. Number one, we go to church to exhort each other. Another word for exhortation is to encourage each other. Sometimes you don't go to church necessarily for you. 
You'll go to church because the person beside you may need you. I don't come to church every Sunday for y'all. Because this message I'm going to preach, I can preach to myself in the mirror. I come to encourage you so you can go live victoriously. So likewise, you, every message you hear may not be something you need to deal with, but maybe the person next to you needs you in that seat. But when you think church is just to satisfy your desires, you pick and choose when you eat and when you go. Amen. We ought to be growing in God. Tell your neighbor, say, you ought to be growing in God. Listen, I'm just telling you, there ought to be some things that you couldn't do in 2014 that you can do this year. And there ought to be some things that you can't do right now, but by this time in 2016, you can do them. It ought to be some struggles that you used to have that you don't have anymore. It ought to be some struggles that you have right now that you like, but I bet you I won't have them next year because I'm not content to stay in this situation. Who's not content to stay in this situation? I'm going to grow up in the things of God. Number three, we provoke each other. Oh, I'm sorry. So, oh, we watch over each other. That's number two. So, number one, we encourage each other. Number two, we watch over each other. Now, this is a challenge for some of y'all because you don't want nobody in your business. And I'm going to tell you, that's why you're always struggling. Because we are not designed to live independently. Everybody needs somebody that can pull your chain. Everybody needs somebody that can pull your chain. Pastor Sean, who pulls your chain? Well, number one, Pastor Edwin can pull my chain. Number two, we have spiritual parents that we have given the authority to that literally if they say I am wrong, I submit even if I don't like it. Why? Because nobody knows it all. Oh, y'all so extra quiet today. Nobody knows it all. And you are never going to grow if you don't learn the process of submission. And because some of you have been wounded by the people who raised you and people you encounter, you use that as a justification to live in disobedience, but it's not justification. You have to say, Lord, connect me someplace that I can trust their leadership over me. And basically, your heart should be this. I'm going to follow you as long as you follow God. I'm going to follow you as long as you follow God. We ain't talking about cult stuff where you follow people no matter where they go and what they do. But if we following God, you ought to follow us. Amen? So we watch over each other. It, the Bible says, are you your brother's keeper? That's what, that's what Cain said when he was all worked up. Am I my brother's keeper? Well, you done killed him. That's why you don't want to be his keeper. We are each other's keeper, and we are stronger when everyone has someone to support them. Tell your neighbor, say, you're amazing, but you still need accountability. And then, we, no, no, we're going to say that again. I think we can feel some extra anointing come on that. Say, look, at, look at him again and say, you are amazing. But you still need accountability. Have you ever seen anybody who's really, really smart, but they can't be successful in the workplace because they don't know submission? Just because you're smart don't mean you don't need somebody to guide you. Because nobody knows it all. In fact, God intentionally designed us to need each other. Amen.
Number three, we ought to provoke each other to good words, that, to good works. That word provoke means to stimulate. It means that we ought to just get better by being around each other. Which means that your environment needs to be an environment that provokes you to good work and to love. If you're going to be happily married, don't hang with people who are bitter in their marriage. That stuff go get over on you. If you're trying to live celibate and live for the Lord, and if you're not married, you ought to be trying to live that way. If you're trying to live that way, don't hang with people who think it's okay to just give it up to whoever they want to. I mean that on both sides. You got to hang with some people that are going to provoke you to be better. Just like on your job, if you wanted promotion, would you hang with the people who never did their job well? Or would you hang with the other people? So you have to get an environment where someone can provoke you to be better. Amen? Church is more than morality school where we learn to be good people. Church is where we learn who our God is and who we are in him. Church is where we learn to walk in purpose and authority. There is authority for your purpose. There is authority for your purpose. Some of you know your purpose, but because you aren't submitted to God, you don't have any authority to move the devils that are standing in your way. And some of you understand authority, but you don't know your purpose, so you don't know what to do. So you're over there trying to deal with devils that you ain't called to. There is authority for your purpose. Amen. Individually, we do not have authority everywhere. But together, we have authority everywhere. Pastor Elwin started off talking about the seven mountains. Like, I'm not called to go to Hollywood and write movies and all of that stuff, but I can link up with somebody who is, and I can release my faith with theirs, and we can push them into the place that they're supposed to be in. Those of you who are in business, call to business, call to corporate America. That's not my calling, but I can link my faith to yours, and I can get behind you, and we can push further. Likewise, your faith ought to be joined and says, I'm not just trying to come to church to get my life better. I want to see this church impact the real. Region. So I'm going to put my faith behind it. We're going to build together. Amen. Our purpose determines the scope of our authority. And our obedience determines how much authority is actually released to us. I'm going to say that again. I wrote this down because I didn't want to miss this one. Our purpose determines the scope of our authority. And our obedience determines how much authority is actually released to us. Our, our purpose determines the scope of our authority. And our obedience determines what is actually released to us. Anybody who has kids understand this. You will be absolutely nuts to give your kid a car who can't keep up with their bicycle. You, it, it just would be insane. We put kids in advanced classes based on their mastery in the classes that they're already in, right? But you wouldn't take a kid who was making an elf in basic math and be like, yeah, we're going to put you in geometry. That's probably not how that's going to work, right? There has to be some mastery that gets promotion, right? And so we have, let's go to Galatians 4, Amplified. I love this scripture right here. It says, now what, I, now what I mean when I talk about children and their guardians is this. As long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, even though he is the future owner and master of all the estate. 
Literally, that's why the Bible says that if you don't learn who you are in Christ, you will live like people who are still enslaved to darkness. He says, even though you are an heir and all of the promises belong to you, your immaturity will keep you from accessing. There are things sometimes you want to do for your kids, but you can't do because of their immaturity. It's not that the desire is missing. It's that the maturity is missing. How is maturity demonstrated? Obedience. How is maturity demonstrated? Obedience. Obedience. As, 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 a, as a result, let me just add this. Some of you are looking for a promotion in your natural job. Increase your obedience. You haven't positioned yourself for a promotion. The Bible says promotion comes not from, it comes from, it doesn't come from the north, it doesn't come from the south, but it comes from the Lord. If God can bring Joseph out, he can bring you out. Get what Joseph had. The ability to be obedient and to be faithful where you are. I was talking to Kenosha yesterday and she said this is so good. This is for your jobs, for your families, and for your church. There is a difference between being faithful and committed. Some of you faithfully show up to work because you need that check, but you're not committed to the vision. Yep. And some of you come to church, and you come, and you com you're faithful to coming, but you're not committed to growing up yet. And in order for us to be a prevailing church, a church of victory, a church where marriages get restored, a church where people break out of financial poverty, a church where kids are whole and where our teenagers aren't caught up like the teenagers of the world, we got to have some prevailers. We got to have some people get some grow up about their life. Amen? The church is here to grow you up. Ooh. Just lift your hand and say, Lord, I give you permission to grow me up. Amen. Let's go to Ephesians 4, 11 through 17. See, because God is not going to override your will to make you. He just keep talking to you about the same thing. Anybody ever been in prayer and no matter what, no matter what you and the Lord talk about, he come talk to you about back to the same thing? If you've ever had that happen, lift your hand. That's the Lord trying to get you to obey. He's not going to force you to obey. But he keeps bringing it up because what he's trying to say to you is that this thing right here that you're ignoring is necessary for your next step. I asked you to fast, so you prayed an extra 30 minutes because you thought that was the exchange. It wasn't the exchange. The exchange is to do what I ask you to do. I asked you to tithe. You bought extra candy for the children today. He said, that, that's not the exchange. The exchange is to do what I ask you to do. Let's go to Ephesians 4, 11 through 17. We almost done. It's a little hot in here. I don't know how hot y'all are, but it's real hot to me. So Ephesians 4, 11. Let's start at verse 11. It says, and he gave some, he's talking about the church, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. And so he gave these five-fold ministry gifts. That doesn't mean other people in the body of Christ aren't important, but you need to understand why he gave these ministry gifts. Look at verse 12. What does it say? What's the first part of it say? 
for the perfecting of the saints. So basically, God releases gifts in the body in order to make sure that you become mature. In order to make sure that I become mature. You know, have you ever seen an old fool? If, if, have you ever seen an old fool? Because here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. You don't grow up and mature because you get older. Not naturally or spiritually. You don't just be turning another year on the calendar won't make you make better decisions. And having another year saved won't make you be more mature as a Christian. You have to position yourself to be perfected. Well, let's stop and talk about this. Does it feel good to be perfected? It doesn't feel good to be perfected. It does not feel good to be perfected. Anybody in here athletes, been athletes, you know, ever played on a team, ever did anything where they push you a little bit out your comfort zone? If that's you, lift your hands. Lots of time when they pushing you, how do you feel about being pushed like that? Huh? You want to put so you want to push back? It's painful. You want to quit? Even if you want to keep going, you want to quit, right? Because being developed isn't easy. So growing up as a believer, you shouldn't want to go to a church that you could live in the same raggedy sin a year and don't nobody in the church know it. You ought not want to go to a church where you could do any and everything and sit there and you don't ever get convicted. You ought to want to go to a church. I can remember years ago when Pastor Edwin, before we were pastors, our marriage was in trouble. We used to go to church every Sunday. We used to go to midweek service. And I used to come in church and I would say, so ain't nobody in this church can tell we struggling. Ain't, no, ain't, ain't nobody in this whole church can tell that we struggling. We want to be a church that's so in tune with the Lord that when we need to pray for shame, we stop and pray for shame. We want to be a church that's so in tune that when God says to you, hey, go speak to this person right here and tell them X, that you do it because you don't know what people are going through. But in order to be perfected, to know how to perform in real life, you got to be able to be corrected in practice. Great athletes learn the ability to study their mistakes and tweak. They study and they tweak. They watch the same play over and over again. As a believer, that ought to be your life. You ought to be like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How do we get back here in this situation where we don't have no money again? How do we get here? Not just I need somebody to deliver me, not just I'm believing for a miracle, but let's walk through how we got here. But the problem with walking through how we got here is because the Lord may say, you remember back in March when you went on vacation, I told you not to go? That's why you don't have no money. But nobody want to hear that. Everybody just want to be like, money, come to me now. Well, some, now sometimes the money don't come because you're disobedient. Mary, folks, you want to go in the prayer closet and talk about your spouse. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. You want to talk about your spouse. You know when your marriage get better? When you stop talking to the Lord about your spouse and let the Lord talk to you about you? Because you got flaws, too. You have things that God wants to work out in you. When, when your kids keep acting up, why don't you ask the Lord where they learned that disobedient trait from? Mm -hmm. 
disobedience begats disobedience. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So when I see things that show up in my kids, I'm like, all right, Lord, hey, hold on, wait a minute. Because the Bible says that you can't deal with disobedience that you still got running in your own life. Do you know that even the prison system got that much sense? Let, let, follow me. She went to jail, not for real. Don't tweet this. This ain't true. She went to jail because around Christmas time, she know how to steal a lot of stuff. She a booster. She can get it fast. She can get it clean. What you want, she can get it. She went to jail, right? She went to jail for the same thing. Do you know that when they release them and put them on parole, you know what they tell them? Y'all stay away from each other. Because people with the same propensities are going to pull each other back. That's why if you get delivered from smoking weed, you can't be sitting up in the house with your friends who's smoking weed. Because we go start calling you. That's why when you're trying to live right and you done had sex, you don't be laid up talking about we just go lay in the bed and watch a movie. You go have sex. You go have sex is what you go do. And then you're like, I don't know how this happened because you disobeyed the Lord. And then you're talking about, but I'm strong enough to handle it. No, you're not. Do you know that sometimes the best wisdom you can have is to say, yeah, that's got me a few times before. Uh-uh, yeah. How about no? I can't go there with you. I can't do that with you. Don't take me to no place where they got good dessert time I just don't eat none. I'm, I'm going to eat the dessert. So I try to go to places. When I'm trying to eat right, I go to places where I don't like their dessert. So I can just pa I'll be passing by. I'm not that strong. I just don't like what they have. The Bible is real, real clear. I'm going to say this a lot because we're talking about deliverance. You only get drawn away by the lust of your own flesh. When you keep getting caught up, it's because it's in you. Listen, we know this from psychology, that there are people who are fight people and there are people who are flight people. And people who are fight people, you didn't teach them to fight. And people who are flight pe people, you did not teach them to run. It is just naturally who they are, right? And you can train a fighter that they ought to run sometimes. And you can train a runner to fight. But in enough pr pressure, they will always revert back to who they are. The Bible says, in your flesh is no good thing. And it takes a lot of weight to put your flesh under subjection. Because you've been letting your flesh do what you wanted to do since you was little bitty. And so it takes a lot of weight to make your flesh submit. If you flirty, it take a lot of weight not to flirt. You can't even help it. You just like, oh, you so cute. Hey, how you doing? And then somebody tell you, like, I'm not flirting. Yes, because it takes a lot of weight of the word and the spirit to crucify what's already in you. Which means that when I'm trying to be free, I don't hang with people who share my struggle. Some of you, your freedom would stick if you would hang with people who had your solution instead of people who had your problem. 
Y'all could tweet that one too. That one's good. Facebook. Prevailing Church FOC. <sighs> Hang with people who have your solution instead of people who have your problem. You know why we like people who have our share our problem? Because they don't hold us accountable for our mess. That's really why we like them. They feed our flesh. I'll never forget this. One time, years ago, I called Pastor Cynthia. That's my spiritual mother. I called her. She answered the phone. She said, hello. And I said to her, I said, Edwin makes me sick. She said, shame on you when Jesus died to heal you. can make you sick she said you're sick because you want to be I did I wanted her to support me I wanted so you know what the next time you know who I call somebody else <laughs> but you know what I found out I didn't get free calling somebody else I had to call somebody who was going to remind me of who I was. Maybe you fell down, but that's not who you are. You need to get up. You are not that pitiful. You are not that broken. You need to get up. That's what you need in your life. And most people, if you haven't been parented well, when people do that to you, you think they don't like you. When you are in a battle, the last thing you need is somebody who feels sorry for you. You need somebody to tell you, look here, you are better than that and you are stronger than that. And God created you for victory. And yes, you may have made a mistake, but you are not your mistake. Now, what you're going to do is you go get up and you go get in this word. And you can always tell if you're in your flesh. I'm going to let you know how to test when you're in your flesh. You can always know if you're in your flesh because people in their flesh say stuff like this. I'm just keeping it real. Keeping it real equals carnality in my flesh. It means that you want to give yourself to, uh, you want to give yourself permission to agree with the devil instead of God. Uh-huh. Yes. So we need the fivefold ministry because we need to be perfected. We need to grow up. Number two reason that we need the fivefold ministry because we need to build a body. We don't need a weak, sick church. How we gonna pray for the sick if we all sick? How we gonna give away coats if we don't all have one? How we gonna feed the hungry when we hungry? Because we ought not always be praying for a multiplication miracle of food. We ought to step past that. So we have to grow up and we have to build the body. Number three, we need the, the five-fold ministry so we can be unified in faith and knowledge of Jesus. Every house ought to be like, here's some things we believe. Here's some things we believe. We believe that marriages ought to be healthy and strong at FOC. And we believe that if you will do what we tell you to do, your marriage will be healthy and strong. Not because we're trying to be the boss of you, but because we done done almost all the stuff wrong. We pretty much know. We like, that ain't going to work. <laughs> Don't do that one. No, dog. Don't try that at home. Don't do that. Think about this. You have athletes because really being a Christian is really like being an athlete. You have athletes, so in the, in the offseason, basketball players, basketball players in the NBA who want to be stronger 
post players who want to be stronger position five. They go get the best. They go get Elijah one. So these people who are superstars now humble themselves to go back to the greatest of that time to say, show me what it is that I don't know. Successful people submit. All right. Number four, the, other, the next reason we need spiritual maturity, we need fivefold gifts, is that we need, go to, you can go to verse 13 so they can see it, we need to grow into maturity so we're not easily deceived. So that we not, I'm, I'm not talking about, most of y'all ain't going to be deceived by some false god. Ain't nobody going to come and tell you that Jesus ain't Lord and you going to go for that. But you know what you need to stop being deceived by? Your feelings. You need to stop being deceived by your feelings. What did God say? Well, I don't feel like it. You ain't the only one. Most of the time, the rest of us don't feel like it. We just don't live by our feelings. It's funny because when because I'm I am trying to become a person who is diligent at working out, and I'm better than I was two years ago. So praise the Lord for that. I'm not where I need to be. But do you know who I talk to? I talk to people who work out consistently because they share their mindset. And do you know what I found out about people who work out consistently? They don't all like it. They not all, because I kept waiting for the day where I was going to jump up and be like. They was like, we don't feel that way, we just go. So if you're trying to learn how to grow up in the things of God, we don't all feel like going to church. We just go. We don't all feel like reading our Bible. We just go. We don't want to fast either. But we do. We don't feel like praying. But we train ourselves to obey God. You have to stop letting your feelings deceive you. All right. And then we want to be empowered to speak in love. That's the fifth thing. Because as a growing up teen, it's some hard things we got to say to each other sometimes. And we need to know that we love each other. And then those of us who are saying it, we need to say it the best way. Because sometimes it's not what you said, it's how you said it. So we want to grow up in love so that when we have to correct people, when we have to challenge people, we do it from love, not aggravation. Let's look at Hebrews 13, and then we all, we really, we got two, one more scripture after Hebrews 13. Y'all all right? You learning something? What you learning? What you got? Don't be moved by your feelings. What else you learning? Hang with the people who have your solution. Some of you got some people, you ought to block before you leave here. You ought to block them before you leave here. Right. No, that's the truth. Let me tell you something. When you are in a relationship and you're trying to save your marriage, the last thing you need to be doing is talking to people in broken marriages or somebody you used to date. I'm trying to help you because Facebook makes it easy for you to slip in that inbox. I'm telling you. You're going to lose your destiny playing around in the inbox. It's right. If some people, if they inbox you, you ought to delete and block. They can't even see your name on there no more. They think you, they think you disappeared. They think you got raptured you went so far away. Hebrews 13 and 7. All right. 
It says, obey them to have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch over your souls as they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for this is unprofitable to you. Listen, I want you to understand this. Those of you who know me, know, know me and Pastor Elwin, we don't want to tell y'all what to do. We want you to grow up in the word so that you don't have to be calling us all the time because that's a lot of stress trying to manage adults' lives. Especially when most of the time when you call, you don't tell the whole story. So we got to ask the Holy Ghost to fill in the pieces that you didn't tell. But it says you need to obey and submit because why? Because we, if we're your pastors, whoever your pastor is, we have watch over your soul. Literally, the Lord holds us accountable for your soul. So we're trying to take you somewhere. And you fighting every step of the way. So then the Lord says, listen, don't do it. So do, listen, if you submit, because I promise you, we're not going to be bossing you around. And if you can't trust leadership, you should go to a church where you can't trust leadership. But trusting leadership don't mean people go always tell you what you want to hear. Oh, yeah, don't, that's good. I'm going to come back to that. It says that they may do it with joy and not with grief because it's unprofitable to you when the people who are called to lead you, you start getting on their nerves. You don't want to be in a situation where people like, oh, I don't want to take this call because they're in the same situation because they didn't do the last 20 things I told them to do. Because there's nothing worse than trying to help somebody who won't do what you're telling them to do and they keep repeating the cycle and you know that if they did what you told them to do, they could break the cycle. You know what's worse? The passive aggressive person who lie and tell you they go do what you told them to do and they don't do it either. I really like the people who be like, I ain't going to be to do that right now. <laughs> because then I know how I need to pray for you. But you're talking about, yes, okay, Pastor Sean, all right, okay, Pastor Sean. Hey, did you do what I told you to do? No. So understand this, that in, in, a, in a family, listen, we are friendly, but your goal of being here is not to be our friends. I'm going to say that again. Our goal, we're going to be friendly, but you don't need us to be your friends. If a friendship produces out of it, that's wonderful. But what you need is for us to hear word that's going to fix your soul. That's our job. Whether we never go to lunch together, whether we never do coffee together, whether we never do any of that, do we have word that changes your life? Why am I saying this to you? Because we're going to grow. And as we grow, if you like, oh, I didn't get to speak to pastor today. Oh, I didn't get to speak to pastor Edwin. I wonder if he mad at me. The enemy go use that to disconnect you. You got to be like, oh, did, when I sat in this seat, did I get word that changed my life? Because you don't go to church to be BFF with your pastor. And the truth of it is, is that most people would tell you who walk closely with us, you really don't want to walk that close with us. Not because we're not nice people, but because the people who walk close with us get checked about everything. We see you in this circle. The people who walk close with us, they say, well, we like, now, is that your confession you want to make out your mouth? Right. right. You get checked every day. All right. Every day. So let us watch over your soul with joy. 
Last scripture, Matthew 16, 19. We want to be a prevailing church. Here, we cannot be a prevailing church if we have these issues right here. So identify yourself and let's move on. Number one, we cannot be prevailing people if we live in sin. I want you to hear me. We want to make the worship presence of God so strong in here that you repent and change or you leave. That your heart becomes tender enough to be transformed or that you say, you know what? I'm going to go to a church that don't challenge me to be better. But you ought not want to sit in a church where you can live any kind of way and there is no conviction. Because if there is no conviction, it is one or two issues. There is no presence of God or you real close to a reprobate mind. The best thing in your life that you have going for you is that you can still hear God saying, turn around. Come on, somebody thank him that he still say, turn around. That you can, it's people can't hear him say, turn around. It's people that have so dulled their ears that they can't hear the Lord say that's wrong. You don't want to live like that. We want to have the kind of presence in here that breaks chains. So what does that mean? We, that's why Pastor was saying, some Sundays we go have lots of teaching. Some Sundays we go have lots of worship. Some Sundays we go lay hands. Some Sundays you should eat breakfast because we're going to do all three in one service. We're going to do it until the church is whole. Why? So that when people come in, they not, their wounds ain't rubbing up against your wounds. We going to get whole so that when new people come in, we're not easily offended. So we can't be a prevailing people if we live in sin. We can't be a prevailing people if we carnal. I'm just going to tell some of y'all, you real carnal. Here's a measure of carnality. You do what you feel. You don't ask God about nothing until you're in trouble. If you do that, you carnal. So you got to let your mind be transformed. One of the best ways to stop being carnal is that you become like a little kid. You ask God about everything. Because the Bible says you don't know, we don't know his ways naturally, so we have to let him teach us his ways. We were talking a couple weeks ago. Sometimes you'll be ready to spank your kids. The Lord will be like, mm-mm. Now you're ready to choke slam, send them back to the Lord. And the Lord is like, no. There are times when you go drive past the homeless person, the Lord say, give them that money you got. But if you carnal, you, ne- you, you, you like, that is surely the devil. That's the devil. They should get a job. But the Lord told you to give them that money. So we, we cannot be a prevailing church if we carnal, which means we can't always live or we can't afford to live by how we feel, what we think. It's like, what? that's why one of the questions anybody, you spend any time with us, we go ask you, what did God say? Pastor Sean, I'm dating this person. What? did God say? Pastor Sean, I'm about, I'm about to take this new job. What did God say? Why do you need to know what God said? So when adversity comes, you know whether you should stay in or let it go. Because if the Lord didn't tell you to be married, should you be fighting or not? Because everybody who got a certificate don't have a covenant. Everybody who got a certificate don't have a covenant. Now, you could get married, and it wasn't a covenant. Present yourself to the Lord and make it a covenant. But just because a preacher married you don't mean you got a, recon- a marriage recognized in heaven. Amen. Number three, 
And when we are rebellious and disobedient, we cannot be a victorious church if we rebellious and disobedient. The Bible says that rebellion is as witchcraft. Literally, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says if you are rebellious, you might as well be practicing sorcery. Rebellion is as witchcraft because it is a destructive spirit that undermines the purposes of God. So watch for that person who, when the Lord tell you to do something, try to tell you why it's okay not to obey God. Mm-hmm. Number four, we cannot be a prevailing church if we are religious. Religious. You know how you measure religion? They got a lot of word, no power. A lot of word, no power. Here's a great example. All these people who ranting about Halloween. You shouldn't have Halloween. Fine, you don't want to have Halloween. Let me ask you something. Can you cast out any devils? Because if you can't cast them out, it don't matter whether you got Halloween or not, right? Ain't nothing you can do with them. So you know all the scriptures about the pagan holiday, but if a devil came, you tear that glass up trying to get out of here. That's what religious people look like. Religious people, they talk about healing, but they don't believe in healing. They always talking about the power, but you ain't seen no power in their church since it was first started. We are not going to be a religious people with no power. We will be a power that when people come addicted, we break addictions off of their life. We will be a people that we will break poverty. We will break depression. That's who we will be. You know what you have to do to be that? You got to be submitted. And when we don't number five, we don't know who we are in Christ Jesus. We're going to end with this scripture. Listen, somebody said, oh, we go to church so much longer than we used to. Not as long as you work every day. Um, so, not as long as you work every day. Because you got to discipline yourself. Listen, listen, listen. Do you know why real, real people who really work out don't like Planet Fitness? Look how they laugh. They work out. Look, they all laugh because they work out. Planet Fitness. You know why they don't like Planet Fitness? Because Planet Fitness, Fitness is really just lukewarm. You come work out, they got pizza. If you go to Planet Fitness, you can work out and then eat a piece of pizza. They're lukewarm. They are lukewarm. We cannot be a lukewarm church and do what we want to do. We, we, try not to over, we try not to overpower your life. We don't have revivals where we make you come every night. We don't try not to have too many conferences. We try not to keep you here all the time. So on Sundays, eat breakfast. It's a hotel. Put some little snacks in your purse. Now, when we get our real sanctuary, you can't put your snacks in the pan and maybe messing up our carpet and seats. But while we're here, bring you some snacks if you need to. But the reality of it is, is that you need to discipline yourself to hear the word. You need to discipline yourself to hear the word. If you can watch a movie without going to the bathroom, you can sit and hear me preach without going to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom first. All right. They'll be like, she mean. Matthew 6, I'm about to go. I'm not mean. He says, so back, this is Jesus, Revelation. We back where we ended. We back where we started. We go in here. He says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Keys represent authority. So what he's saying is, he's saying the reason that the authority of the devil will not prevail over you is because I'm going to give you some greater keys. He says, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. 
I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Literally, that is our authority as believers. But here's what you need to understand. If you're not under submission, you can't use authority. You can't just walk in Walmart, corporate office today, and go in the back offices. You, you got to have some clearance that gets you back there, which means that you had to submit to some stuff, right? So I'm trying to get you to understand if you want to be this person who has the ability, first of all, if you don't walk with God, you don't even know what you ought to be binding and loosing. You just binding and loosing stuff you don't like. But we're here to do kingdom business. So what's the Lord telling us to bind? And what's the Lord telling us to loose? And if we're going to be loosing financial prosperity, what are we rele releasing it for? What, what, what are we going to release it for? I, I know we got the right to declare that poverty is broken, but if we break it, what are we going to break it for? So you can miss church even more? Are we going to break it so we can do kingdom work, that we can push back darkness? that we can feed hungry kids, that we can build housing for the homeless. So you got to have a kingdom purpose or you will waste what God has given you. Amen? So there are some keys that the Lord has given us, and that's what we're doing. What's up, Blake? How you doing? What's going on? Your mom go get you when you get back over there. You should hang with me. You really should. She going to try to get you when this is over. But your daddy going to protect you. Because that's the way it works right now. All right. So we're about to go. We're going to make some that when, when Jen is having us make declarations, those declarations are about binding and loosing. So because here's what happened. We sensed that as we started shifting, people were getting nervous. What are we doing in church? They going to lay hands on me? Am I going to fall down? What's going to happen? They going to make us fast for a year? What's going to happen? So then Jen gets a revelation. She says, let's make a confession that says we're not going to be afraid to leave our comfort zone. She's taking authority over the thing that would try to get you to run away. The last thing I want to tell you is this. Be careful. The Bible says don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. One of the strategies of the enemy is to make you offended with the people who have your freedom. The enemy works to make you offended with two types of people. Those who have your freedom and those you call to do life with. That's his goal. To get you linked up with people that you shouldn't be linked up with because they aren't called to take you to the next level. There's something about being with who you call to be to change your life. I can hear 20 people preach a word. I can hear Pastor Cynthia make one statement that break chains off my life. One statement. It ain't about whether people are anointed or none of that. It's about who is your tribe. Don't get offended and leave your tribe. You know how people get offended? You, you forget that the people aren't perfect. Only the anointing is perfect. The people aren't perfect. We're not perfect. We go blow it. So you got to close your heart to offense. How do you close your heart to offense? Simple ways. 
when there are people who you know are supposed to be in your life, me and Kenosha have talked about this. M me and Chris, me and Tamara, we know we're going to be together forever. But we get along a lot better naturally than me and Kenosha. Because the truth is we both got really strong personalities. And we really both want to be the boss. <laughs> All right, sir, trick, okay. All right. Oh, baby, you know we go get him, right? Because he jumped out there, uh-huh. So Kenosha and I had to make an agreement that no matter how much we get on each other's nerves, we'll never forget that God put us together. And because God put us together, we say it. We say, we ain't breaking up. We want to be real, real clear about that. Because here's the thing. No matter whether we have a church or whether we don't, She's somebody I do life with. We ain't falling out. And because we guard against offense, that means sometimes we got to have some tough conversations. See, some of you, because the reason offense gets in your life is because you don't know how to have tough conversations. You don't know how to say, I'll never forget this. Kristen changed my life. I used to yell about everything. And I used to be really, people who say I'm mean now, you don't, I used to be mean for real. I went to law school, and law school was a mean place. By the time I got out of law school, baby, I was mean. And I'll never forget this. We were standing in my kitchen one day. Kristen was living with us, and I was yelling about something because pretty much I just yelled if I wanted people to move quicker for what I was doing. And she walked up to me, and she put her hand on my shoulder, and she said, it's not nice to yell at people who aren't yelling at you. Changed my whole life. It had never even occurred to me that if people didn't grow up in a yelling environment, that that might really hurt their feelings. So now when I'm talking to people, sometimes I want to yell, you can thank Chris, because I hear Chris saying, it's not nice to yell at people who are not yelling at you. So we make each other better. That's why you got to do your part. It ain't all about Pastor Ellen, Pastor Sean, making people better, everybody we can pray for, everybody we can meet with. Literally, the goal is that every one of you ought to grow up to be leaders so we can touch this whole region. This whole region. Because we can't touch all the people. We can't have lunch with all the people. We can't have dinner with all the people. We not go have lunch and dinner with all the people. But you can you can take, a, if, if we all divide up and we all bring in one broken person at a time, get them to wholeness and put them to work. So you got to decide you're not going to be offended. There may be some things that we do that, that offend you. Here's the question. Is it outside the word? Because just because it offends you because we talk about tithing, there ain't no reason to leave. What the Bible say? Just because we offend you when we talk about fi um, fasting and not fornicating, don't leave. Stick around long enough until you like, ooh, I think I'm going to fast. Ooh, I'm going to try not to do it this weekend. That's how freedom come, I'm telling you. I'm, I'm going to just go try not to do it this weekend. I'm going to try as opposed to trying. I'm going to try not to. <laughs> So I want to pray with for two types of people this morning. If you know you're a person, you easily get offended. Stand to your feet. Let's pray for you. I'm not, you will stay right in your seat. I'm not laying hands on you today. And another thing is that if you're a person 
and you chunk them deuces real fast. Like you will break up with folks real quick. Stand up. Now, now listen, the Bible says don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. Sparky said he need to stand on the chair. Hey, stack another chair and I'll stand on your shoulders. That's how quick I, but listen, do you see what the enemy will use to destroy this ministry? Offense and people who just go, y'all ain't serious about this thing. So we're going to get that thing to the Lord. I'm not a person who is easily offended, so I'm going to pray the offense prayer. Nietzsche, can you go get past Edwin? He's supposed to pray the prayer for the people who chunked it. He, he the long-suffering one. He long-suffering. I'm working on finding me some long-suffering. I don't have a bunch of that. I'm working on it, though. You know, one of the ways I found to be a long-suffering, I ask God who people are in my life. If we're connected, because if we're connected, then I'm, I need you to survive. I'm not going to let you go. It's all right. If you easily offended, you know it. You still be thinking about stuff that people did to you when you was five. They ain't think about you, right? If that's you, we're going to make this prayer. Say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I recognize that offense is a strategy of the enemy. Right now, I repent for being easily offended. Father God, help me to see the hearts of people even when their actions rub me the wrong way. I choose to stick in the places you have planted me. I will not partner with the devil and allow him to destroy my destiny. Holy Spirit, fill up every place that's offended. Help me to learn a new way to think about things. Help me to find someone that can hold me accountable about being offended. Today I choose to break up with offense. In Jesus' name, amen.